0: Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Sound Stories, an inspirational podcast for creative professionals and storytellers who want to improve their lives at home and at work. I'm Stephanie Cicerelli, your host and co-founder of Voices.com. Today in studio, I am so happy to be joined by a longtime friend of Voices.com and also just of, of us in general, Adam Kaplan. He's the founder of Webisodes, and he's an amazing storyteller using the visual medium of film. Welcome, Adam. Thank you for having me. We actually shared office space at one point a number of years ago, so we go back a long ways.
1: It's true, and actually I was reminiscing last night as I was at at your new offices uh, that on a a number of Sunday afternoons I'd watch David uh, come into the office with a couple of new computers under his arm. Uh, and set them up himself for the new hires coming in the next day and uh, how far you guys have come from there.
0: Oh, well thank you. Yes, we did just have a big office reveal. It's it's pretty cool, nice space. Be sure to check it out online on our social channels, but today we're going to focus on a conversation about storytelling with video. And you are the expert, I would say, in the city for what we're doing here, but I wondered, you know, Adam, just wondered about this. For those of us who maybe don't know where to start with video, it can it can kind of be a little intimidating perhaps. Maybe someone thinks it's too expensive or, or they frankly don't know where to start. What would you say to somebody about
1: that? The reality is that it's uh, video is no different in terms of storytelling than the things you learned in grade school. It's the same idea that you've got to kind of hook someone in You've got to deliver a message to them and then wind up with a conclusion. Uh, except instead of using a, a you know a pencil and paper to to, to note that, uh, you're using a, a more complex uh, set of tools to be able to to tell that story. So what that means for a lot of folks is they have to make some bigger decisions earlier uh, because obviously the risks of of uh, production are uh, much greater than sitting down with a pencil and paper or a word processor. What we tend to start with is something we call the A5 system. And uh, it's really anybody who's worked in marketing communications will immediately recognize it as a a marketing communications standard plan. We've just renamed everything to begin with the letter A, so it sounds like we invented it.
0: I see, because you're Adam, Because I'm Adam, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Oh, I like it. Go Um, on.
1: So uh, the... The first uh, sort of set step is to really assess who your audience is, and really understand who you're talking to. Very similar to what you would do on Voices.com when you're selecting a, a voice actor. Uh, understanding who you're going to be speaking to will help you make some some big decisions later on. For instance, you know, if you're going to uh, uh, be doing a video that's targeted at um, uh, grandparents and, and you know, seniors, uh, you know, selecting a death metal stock music track probably isn't going to be an appropriate choice. No. <laughs> and being able to communicate that early on uh, helps make some creative decisions. It also helps you understand... Things like the length of the video, how long it should be, uh, what kind of tone and what kind of pace it should have, those sorts of things. Um, the other thing it allows you to do is kind of define who you're not talking to. And by excluding audiences and by um, creating um, uh, a focus, and a narrow focus, you're able to, again, make some strategic choices later on. Um, the second area we, uh, we work with people to develop are the aims. What are the goals? What do you want somebody to do after they've finished watching the video um is it or maybe even the middle of the video do you want them to visit a website do you want them to purchase a product do you want them to pick up the phone and call you what what are the outcomes that you're hoping for uh with regards to the viewer it also helps to recognize that in video has changed pretty radically in the last decade because previously we thought of most video was a lean back experience you'd sit in your chair You'd lean back you'd watch the tv you'd watch the movie screen even if you were watching something on a laptop like a dvd you're still leaning back you're still not interacting with it and there were probably longer uh, things that you were watching um, today we have very lean forward experiences and what that lean forward means is that um, the or what that re- lean forward refers to is that video is sitting within a continuum of user experience and that continuum means that someone's arriving from somewhere they're having an experience with the video, and then they're going somewhere afterwards. And we wanna be able to figure out what uh, influence we should have uh, over that individual to help direct them to the next place in their in their user experience journey.
0: Right because this is web video we have yep. to remember right so not just film or, or a documentary or something that you're watching on Netflix like this is actually you're in an environment where you literally could go click somewhere else you could decide to search for something you you're in an, a virtual environment on the internet. And I just want to make sure everyone remembers that when we're listening to this, because it's key. The messaging and the story arc that you're building will lead to hopefully a conclusion that they will go and do something.
1: And and what's interesting is even longer form content has recognized this. You know, our notion of binge watching um, and even uh, our notions of, of uh, appointment viewing. Uh, you know, Why did HBO start developing story arcs with The Sopranos that would leave on these crazy hit cliffhangers? They wanted you to tune in next week. They didn't want you to cancel your subscription to HBO. Um, Netflix has queued up the next episode so that it plays right away. YouTube is doing the same thing, but in, 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 but in the longer form, even some of our lean-back content experiences are also starting to mimic some of those uh, lean-forward uh, content experiences because they don't want you to leave the walled garden
0: right and i like that and the whole concept of leaning back as in i'm passively absorbing this information i'm enjoying it it might be just you know something with a start and an end but this leaning forward it seems like that's much more of what people want to do these days is to be engaged with the content that they're watching
1: absolutely and they want to tweet about it they want to share it they want to talk about it on facebook they want to comment on it those social activities um, can also be part of the aims that you're developing for your uh, for your your your, um, your content both you know on the web and then also in longer form content Wow uh, the third piece is approach and approach is where we start to think about strategy um, what are the key messages we want to deliver what are the uh, what are the, what's the tone what's the um, uh, the style that we want to start to wrap around it, you know, my favorite quote um, uh, from Jean-Luc Godard is uh, style is the outside of content and content is uh, The inside of style and for him this was a reaction to the modernist movement that said form follows function He was saying no no no, form does not follow function function and form are intertwined and that's where we are today we the way we communicate things kind of has to be in a wrapper of style that informs what we're consuming uh, you know the um, uh, the branding rules that we've all developed for our companies and for mimic that. We want to we have an emotional sensibility that's tied in with the content, and the, the two kind of are inextricable. The approach kind of covers all of that off, and the approach allows us to understand what, br- what branding considerations, what messaging, and how are we going to achieve that. Um, it's also where we make decisions around is this going to be sort of a documentary style? Is this going to be uh, someone talking to camera? Is this going to be something where um, we're only going to have a voiceover and uh, and images on screen? That's where we, in, in our approach section, that's where we define the creative strategy.
0: And so the approach considers not only how this information will be received, but who's receiving it, right? That's right. Because that's how you can package it to be more attractive to the viewer.
1: And we we, we depend on everything from our... Um, uh, aims and our audience to be able to help inform that part of the process the next two steps um, action and, and assessment start to work um, sort of recursively with the approach section so what will happen next is we start to figure out okay well how much money do we have to spend on this when do we need to have it delivered by um, what resources do we have where should we shoot it and now you have to start to go back into your approach and modify it uh, around the realities yeah. of of, uh, of your uh, of your circumstance. And similarly with assessment, do you, you know how the question we talk to people about when we're looking at assessment is, you know, what would what outcomes um, at the end of this would you consider a success? At, the, you know, what, at what point, what, what, what needs to happen for you to think of this project as having been successful? And then we might need to go back and tweak our aims and our approach a little bit once we understand what the assessments are. And again, those also need to figure in with you know how much money do we have, how much time do we have, all of those sorts of things. You know, if someone comes to us and says, well, uh, I would consider this a success if we had a million views on YouTube, that's great. But if we've only got a $700 budget, it's probably not gonna happen so we've got to figure out what you know can we manage the you know wh- how can we maximize uh, our resources to be able to accom- accomplish uh, a successful outcome for uh, for the video for the project
0: wow so adam do you find that it's difficult to manage people's expectations of what their video should do like do people come to you thinking you know, I, I want to get a million views on YouTube. Like, that sounds quasi unreasonable. You know, <laughs> sorry to burst anyone's bubble out there, but you know, that's a lot of views. Like, unless you're like a Mike Tompkins or somebody, you might not be seeing that kind of play. But, like, how can someone maybe adjust their expectations to be more realistic so that when they come to you or another video producer, they don't have that bubble burst. They're actually thinking in terms of what is possible and, and doable.
1: We're, and we've been fortunate so far in that... M- our, the folks that have approached us and the folks that have talked to us have not had that uh, expectation. Um, you know, they want it to be as successful as possible. And those who have approached us and said, how can we get 25, 50,000 views out of this uh, have also been open to paid promotion. Uh, and that paid promotion can really give a good push to a video, and we've um, sort of started to adopt uh, paid promotion as some of the service, suite of services that we're, we're offering. Um, we did some tests last year with it that were fairly successful. Um, and with not too much money, we're able to, to really give um, videos a, a good boost over what they would achieve organically. Um, and, and that, uh, what we hear a lot though is, I want our video to go viral. Oh, yes. Um, or we want to make a viral video. And the reality is that um, there are so many, uh, there's so much clutter, and there's so much, uh, there's so many people vying for our attention. Um, even the things that do quote unquote go viral. Um, you know, the most recent one I can think of was the Chewbacca mom uh, from uh, from last year, uh, having been probably the, the most probably the the most successful um, truly organic viral video tend not to have uh, a product associated with them. There's n- Nobody's kind of selling anything. And um, other videos um, that have gone viral and been, and been associated with the product, I'm thinking particularly of Poo-Pourri. Uh, oh, is,
0: goodness. I, I must admit I did see that ad. That is, um, <laughs> yes, I could see why people would be sharing that one. it had some, some good use.
1: Well, we actually, I, 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 you know, I got a chance to hear from the fellow who produced that ad. And one of the things that surprised me the most about that was that there was a one to seven ratio of organic to paid uh, views. So for every one organic view, he has seven paid views. Uh, and so it's, it's viral, but it's sort of also a little bit artificially viral in mm-hmm. that he's, people are, are seeing it and people are watching it through and it's right. got good retention, people are sharing it. And certainly someone who watches the paid version may share it and that might increase some of the organic views. But it's, it's still very much a, a paid... Uh, a, a paid delivery
0: yeah well it, it was basically a video that rolled before another video I remember yeah. and and it, it takes a lot of good storytelling and creativity to actually get past that five to ten second window where someone might decide to jump ship and hit that you know next get me out of here I want to see the actual content that I, I clicked through for so that was a successful one but as you say they paid for it though
1: they, they did and and they um they tested a lot of different formats and a lot of different videos and they had uh, a pretty crack team uh, working on it, um, and that that was that was a successful, uh, you know, uh, use of video. Another uh, example that comes to mind um, was the Old Spice. Oh, yeah. uh, the videos where he spent a day and a half, you know, or a day. I think it was a full day, you know, in a towel making videos that responded to tweets and Facebook messages. And uh, but again, they had done a lot of work uh, to uh, previous to that to be able to get to a place where they could. Uh, have that carry in a viral way and Mm they spend a lot of money to be able to develop an audience that could carry that uh, forward
0: well they you need to have someone almost recognizable you create a character someone who's recurring because there were multiple ads from from that uh campaign i believe but i don't want to get too far off track on your wonderful list so where were we i think there might be one more
1: or two more No, there there's the five uh uh, so uh, audience Mm -hmm. aims approach action and assessment um, and, but you did say something really interesting, and, and this is, you know, when we start to look at how do we structure the video, you know, we talk about those 5, 10 seconds and, and that pre-roll. It's not just critical for um, pre-roll. It's for really any storytelling. You want to be able to, to ask a question that's going to engage the imagination uh, of the, the viewer. Uh, you want to be able to uh, open up with something that's going to give uh, provide the, the viewer with a reason to, to continue watching. Um, And this was a system, uh, and I I love alliteration, as you'll discover. (laughs) Yeah. um, You know, we use four words to describe this process, and that's uh, engage, entertain, educate emotionally. Uh, So we engage the audience. And again, it's not different than any other storytelling. We're just using different tools for it. But we have to engage the audience. We have to um, uh, entertain them so they stay engaged. But we also want to deliver a message, and video is a profoundly emotional medium. And so we need to be able to maintain that level of emotion and even sort of adjust it so that we're drawing someone through the story and giving them re- a reason to keep watching.
0: Yeah, well there there are so many different elements and here's another E for you, you're engaged, entertain, yeah. Um, but just thinking like, this isn't like the audio medium where it's very much a controlled environment where here we've got all of these kind of dampening uh, materials beautiful studio set up but when you've got video you have all these other considerations and and I think that that might be part of why people shy away from it they just honestly don't know what it looks like to make a good video and one that they'll be proud of.
1: Today we're we're, you know we're in a really unique time I think in in history and certainly in the history of, of, of film and cinema and that's the, the access to the tools of production has become so affordable, and the you know kids are learning to make videos in in grade school, um, and they're on, they're beginning to understand the language, the grammar of filmmaking, and so uh, it means we also have a generation of of young people coming out of school that are are in some cases very gifted storytellers uh, as they enter college and as they leave college and university. But it still means that you have to figure out what you're going to do. And and more to the point, uh, Michael Porter is really famous for saying this about business strategy. Um, strategy is the process of understanding what not to do. And in video, that's you have to make those same uh, concessions. You have to figure out what do, what can I do with the money that I have, with the time that I have, and with the, the available resources that are around me. And that process is, um, can be challenging because, you know, you have these, you have the sense that, oh, I want to make it, you know, cinematic, or I want to make it epic, or I want to make it these, you know, whatever um, adjective you're using to describe it, you can still make a very powerful and effective video and have it be very simple. And so it's understanding um, what you're trying to do going in and the message you're trying to deliver, and then being very creative about ensuring that you stay within uh, the band of resources that you have open to you, they're available to you. And that's what that uh, um, approach process kind of uh, allows you to choose what to do, and also your audience helps you do this, and your aims help you do this. It helps you define what you're going to do, but really it helps you exclude lots of activities. Um, and you know we we've gone from we've had uh, uh, customers approach us and say, I want to do this video with uh, an actor and do on screen, and then we start to put together a budget. And they're like, well, I don't have that much money, and uh, we, you know, it was one case where we actually ended up doing um, a uh, uh, a photo slideshow with on-screen text because they didn't even want to spend money on a voiceover actor. Oh, so that's sad. I, I know no, that's yeah. sad.
0: <laughs> no, we know this happens and it's okay, but you really do have to think about what is my budget for this because everyone should have a budget. You should know what you're working with and certainly mapping out what you're not going to do would help you so what are some of the things that you would recommend people not do if they are being a little cost sensitive
1: you know there's a couple of things i'd recommend that they not do and and i know that um there's been some discussion about cell phone video and so on and and you know if that's a look you're going for there are a whole bunch of reasons why you might use a cell phone video we've done some we've we actually i did a test a little while ago with something that we were going to uh, put into a video uh, and I have, you know, a fairly new iPhone, uh, and uh, it's got a very nice camera in it, but we had trouble with the video it produced. It didn't match some of the other things we'd oh, shot, and we had to go back yeah. and shoot, shoot it again. I had a teacher in university, and the guy, the, guy, the fellow's name was, uh, was George Tyne, or Buddy Tyne, and uh, he'd been a very talented and promising film director uh, until a, a senator uh, asked him uh, if he had been or was a member of the Communist Party, uh, at which point his career was, was over, and uh this was back in the in the 50s and and um after that he kind of had disappeared from film and then came back and directed episodes of New Heart and um MASH and and other sort of shows of that era uh, and but he became my uh filmmaking narrative prof and one day I was talking with him this was in the early 90s I'm about to age myself here <laughs> in Los, uh, Angeles, in Los right? Angeles yeah, yeah. Yes. uh it was, it was in LA and um I was in, I think it was like 1992. And I was talking with him after class about a project I was working on. And this kid, who I knew to be the son of a fairly well-known producer, literally elbowed me out of the way um, to talk to to Buddy. And he had, uh, he was, he was, on a cell phone while he was talking to Buddy. Now this is 1992, so this cell phone call was probably costing him $8.99 a minute. Like it, and it was, was like a brick, probably. And it was huge. It was yeah. this this huge thing. He said, "Buddy, my dad wants me to shoot uh, a short film to enter into the festivals, um, because back then there was no YouTube. The only way you could, you know, get your film in front of producers was to have it be in festivals, and and um, that was the way you became a director was to enter your your stuff into festivals and get noticed that way." his dad wanted him to enter in festivals what the kid wanted to know was do the festivals would the festivals prefer that he deliver uh, something shot on videotape or shot on actual film and Buddy said and this, this conversation made my whole tuition for the, the four years that I was there worth it ooh do tell um, the, the guy, Buddy said well what's your story about and the, the kid said, well, we're still working on the treatment and the script, but we have to reserve this equipment now so for the shoot, so I just need to know if I should be reserving a film camera or a video camera. And Buddy said, you don't have a script? You don't know what your, your story you're telling? And this went back and forth comically for probably about two or three minutes or $17 of cell phone time. And finally Buddy said, kid, you could shoot this movie on your grandfather's Super 8. If you got a good story and you tell it well, people are going to want to watch it. If you don't have a good story or you don't tell it well no one's going to want to watch it so if you can tell a good story with your cell phone great if you uh have the ability to shoot something on a on a dslr that's a little little more expensive but not too much great but ultimately it does come back to the story and making sure that you have you you have a compelling message uh and an engaging way of telling that communicating that message before any technical consideration.
0: I, I'm so glad you said that, because when people go about making something, they shouldn't just be making it for the sake of, oh, I've got to put a video together, I want to get in this film festival, I want to claim. I want some kind of prestige for myself. It's like, no, you, you make a story and you tell a story, because there's a story in you that you want to tell.
1: Absolutely, and as a service provider, we have to get engaged in the story emotionally too. We have to believe in the stories we're telling. The only other technical consideration that I would put forward is this and this is one, another reason to sort of consider about cell phones, and that's don't forget the audio. Um, so frequently when people are out shooting video, they're shooting in noisy environments or they're shooting in places where there's lots of background noise and it's difficult to hear or the audio isn't always, um, um, is muddy. It doesn't have to be perfect by any stretch of the imagination and you don't need to have studio quality, pristine audio. But making sure that your audio is considered, that that it's uh, relatively clear, that you've got a mic close to your subject or subjects, those those considerations are, are absolutely um, essential.
0: Wonderful tip, especially for people on this podcast listening who are into audio. Definitely love that. Um, so if I were in the stage of planning up my video, what is the first thing I, I should do? Is there like a worksheet or a, a couple first ideas, steps that you can recommend?
1: Start at your ending. Um, understand where you want to conclude and work backwards. Um, and for many people in promotional video, that's a call to action. So that's a, what's, what's, what are you going to do at the end of this? You know, what do you want somebody to do at the end of this? Um, that will then kind of help you decide what your opening question should be. The next step, really, there is to draft a, a, a very quick paragraph or treatment to help you understand, you know, what the flow of the story would be, and then from there, if you've got a script, if you're developing a script that actors are going to read or or uh, that uh, a voice actor is going to read um, uh, at a different time, absolutely put that out. What we've done is we've got um, a template where we have, and it's an old TV template. On the left hand side is audio, and on the right hand side is video, and it allows us to create a. Um, a textual storyboard, if you will, that helps everyone in production and also post-production understand what visuals are going to line up with what audio. Um, And then from there, if you want to develop a a storyboard, even a rough sketch, so that you can communicate with the people or or even just remind yourself what you're thinking, that's a great step. We don't tend to use a lot of storyboards. I I, I find that we develop them, and then dismiss them as we get through the project. Um, but they, they can still be very helpful, for, for if you, especially if you've got a more complex project that requires a lot of moving parts to all be in coordination.
0: Wow. Well, you know what? I want all of you to go out and make a video. That's what I, I want you to take what Adam just said. Really think about your story, though. Obviously, if you don't have a story, then you really don't have anywhere to start from, as that prof in LA had said. You need to have that. Uh, but anyone can tell a story.
1: You know, again, what's really—and Francis Ford Coppola talked about this um, uh, in the uh, in the 80s um, and even earlier than that. He, he, he saw a time when there would be uh, a young—I think he actually said it, a young six-year-old girl who would be the Mozart of filmmaking, who would take— Uh, That back then he said, you know, the family video camera, because I don't think he could see a time when we all had 4K cameras in our pockets. But, uh, you you know, I think that there absolutely is um, an opportunity for a whole generation of people to tell stories, not just in ways that we've seen before, but in totally new ways, Um, developing a new syntax and language around um, the, the way we're constructing story and storytelling through video and through transmedia where uh, the story can be told not just through one channel like video but can be told through podcasts and through video and through Twitter and through uh, uh, blog posts and, and books and, and, and really any any way, any media uh, that, that you can think of. And Ramona Pringle, who of course uh, had uh, hosted the event, and one of the things she said that impressed me the most was today we think of it as transmedia, in 10 years we're just gonna call it media. And um, one of the panelists uh, had mentioned that her child has an expectation of transmedia, has an expectation that that Dora, the Explorer character, is going to be in the video game, uh, on, the, the, on the TV, uh, with the action figure, that, that she's going to be able to exp- experience Dora in whatever channel she desires. And that really is, I think, uh, exciting for video because video now becomes part of it's not the only part of, it's, it's not the only story, it's, the, it's part of a larger story, and that's really exciting.
0: Thank you for tuning in, and if you haven't already done so, I'd like to invite you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, as well as give us a rating. We love hearing from you and gathering your feedback. Once again, I'm your host, Stephanie Cicerelli, and I hope you can join us for our next Sound Stories podcast.